Do you want to start a thriving real estate career, but don't know where and how to start? Do you want to become a successful realtor or investor, but lack the required knowledge and skills? Gear yourself up with the best and actionable advice here on The Real Estate Rundown. Tune in as Shannon Robnett talks with industry veterans about all kinds of asset classes, market trends, challenges, management techniques, and success stories. Listen to informative discussions with valuable tips that will serve as the foundation for your incredible real estate venture. Now, here's your host, Shannon Robnett. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode in season two of the Real Estate Rundown. Uh, today, we've got a great show for you. We have got Zach Lee Master on with us today. And this episode is going to be from Zach's experience, from his point of view, on how to create a seven-figure income passively with real estate and do it in less than 10 years. And we're going to follow the steps that Zach took. Zach, welcome to the show. How are you? Hey, Shannon. Pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me so much. So, Zach, you uh, are like most of us in real estate. You got involved in real estate um, uh, because of some little purple book, right? Uh, we all know that to be the Rich Dad, Poor Dad book, but that's not what you grew up thinking you wanted to do with your life. Tell us a little bit about your journey from uh, how you got, you know, what, where your career was headed and what, what kind of got you started in real estate. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's been an evolution over time, and we're we're super thrilled to be where we're at today, and glad we chose the real estate asset class to to focus on. But I have a background in in healthcare. My wife and I are optometrists by education. We uh, went to school in Portland, Oregon. That's where we met. She's actually Canadian. Um, I was on scholarship with the Air Force, so I went into the Air Force as a captain for uh, seven years after graduating optometry school to practice optometry there, uh, and then moved out to Colorado to to uh, own and operate private practice after I fulfilled my commitment with the Air Force. During that entire time, we were investing in, in real estate because we got the bug even when I was in school, read the Purple Bible, as you mentioned, and um, you know, decided that just changed our thinking about, I was the first one for my family to go even go to college. And so I just thought that, hey, I was very proud of myself. This is what I want to do. But then you know, that changed my thinking about investing in, in money in general, as it does for, for many people, as you mentioned. So um, I mean, the first house we bought was was a duplex. I used a VA loan. This was in uh, North Dakota, so where I was stationed. And really from there, I really liked the idea of real estate as an asset class. Every single year, and this is about 15 years ago now, Shannon, every single year since that first duplex that we bought, we've purchased more and more real estate, uh, either in number of doors or value, just because we've set ourselves a goal. Uh, we started strategically investing in, in different markets, not limiting ourselves to investing locally because there was better opportunity in, in other markets and we like diversification. And that allowed us get, to build a portfolio to the point where we were able to replace our, our active income as optometrists and retire from that career field um, and move into the, the full-time investing space, investing in different locations. Well, first of all, thank you for your service. Um, that's, uh, that's always uh, you know something that is a bit of a, uh, gift back to our country. So I appreciate that. Uh, and I can't imagine why Minot, North Dakota wasn't uh, your primary market, right? I mean, I, that's a great place to cut your teeth because you're always going to have service people coming in. Uh, I, I have friends who uh, did that exact same thing because wherever there's large air bases, there's always people coming and going and there's a large contingent of, of renters. But, you know, you, you mentioned that um, 
you know, you've been doing this now for about 15 years. What was it that really got the bug going? I mean, we all start with Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and, and I'm actually going to uh, be hanging out with Robert and uh, Kiyosaki this weekend doing some stuff. But, you know, the reality is what was it that turned you on that let you know that I'm a smart guy, uh, but I can do better than optometry? Man, the writing on the wall was just where we, we started to see that uh, real estate is scalable where it's not time associated with, with optometry, even if we were hiring in other doctors, which we did. But um, I mean, our, our time, we were wearing multiple hats, right? Your practitioner, you're, you're, ba you're basically compensated based on your time in the chair. And right. if we weren't, weren't really working, uh, which we were always working, but that we were, weren't really receiving um, compensation and not scaling that over time, real estate is beautiful because... And there's a lot of different things you can do in real estate, but really the, the idea is that you're providing consistent residual income, and but you're also strategically growing that and scaling it over time with the ability to grow your net worth through using leverage. You know, we talk about all the different ways you earn income, right? Through appreciation, debt reduction, tax benefits, depreciation, cash flow. All those things are compounding over time. And then we additionally took the, the tax benefits. That's where like, so I guess in, in our, in our, um, journey here the first duplex we bought was a big pivot point that was a milestone for us because we're like oh we can live for free right we have a tenant pay our mortgage then from there we got to the point where we bought more um single family and, and multi-family and we were able to replace our expenses then we continued to scale to get to the point where we uh were able to replace our active income and this this happened over many years it wasn't overnight yeah. but it was staying consistent yeah. to our goals and then it was to the point where it's, okay, now we're active investors. This is our full-time uh, business, assisting other investors to do the exact same thing that we did. Um, and now we're making more money just actively through that. Now we need tax advantages to offset the, those. And, and there's no better asset class in real estate when it comes to taxes, doing things like you know the accelerated depreciation, 1031 exchanges, opportunity zones. It just goes on and on. And so, I mean, that, that was really the big point where it's like, hey, we can make significant money actively in real estate more than we can in the healthcare profession. But beyond that, we can actually set ourselves up for generational wealth to pass on to our family through the tax advantages of, of real estate. So it's it's been multiple, you know, kind of eye yeah. openers. Well, and that's kind of, you know, that's kind of the thing you get sucked in on the cash flow, right? You get sucked in on the appreciation. And there's, you know, you, you mentioned something over that this has been over years and, and, you know, we've had a real surge in real estate the last two or three. And a lot of people think that real estate is a get rich quick. And it's not, as you know, it's a lifelong journey. I've been doing this for 28 years, 29 years. I'm second generation, uh, you know, on the construction and development, fourth generation in real estate sales. I know that it is a generational thing and it's not a get rich quick, but it is a get rich opportunity uh, to create that generational wealth and create the the one thing that you mentioned that you're buying back your time. That's the one thing that it doesn't matter how much money you have, you only get so so many revolutions around this rock, uh, and your time's up. And you're going to either spend it doing, uh, you know, optometry, which you loved. I get that, but you know, you're not in control. Somebody else is logging in and saying, "Hey, you know, for two hundred dollars an hour, I'm going to buy." your time and you're able to buy that freedom back, you know, and then, then real estate, like you mentioned, begins to create problems, right? It begins to create tax problems, right? And nobody likes paying taxes, but when the check needs a comma and then it needs another couple of zeros, and then you're starting to look at all of those things that you're paying out and 
even with all of that, there's, you know, you're still feeling like, wait a minute, I'm getting the short end of the stick. I'm making money here, but now I'm, I'm paying all this stuff. And that's where I think that a lot of people miss the boat on where that accelerated growth really comes from, right? I mean, cash flow is awesome, right? Cash flow pays the bills today, right? Um, but you've got to get that to a place where that cash flow is a total NOI to you, net operating income, net of taxes, because you've mitigated that. You know, you mentioned, you rattled through a, a couple of quick things, you know, with a bonus depreciation, with 1031s, with opportunity zones, you know, um, what are some of your favorite strategies that you like to do with your personal portfolio before we get started talking about the business that you've created out of this monster that came out of a purple book? Um, what is it? What are some of your favorite ways to look at how you're um, looking at your year in advance uh, when you're sitting down doing doing your planning for tax purposes? Our entire investing strategy on the personal side right now is built around around the tax strategy. I mean, taxes are the biggest expense that any of us are going to pay, and that's the easiest way to give yourself an, a significant raise. Uh, I yeah. love the idea of even if you're saving a small portion of taxes, obviously, the more the better, but you're able, instead of giving that money to Uncle Sam, taking that money and actually earning a return on it, right? That's where we get this huge compounding and exponential growth is actually taking that money and reinvesting it. So you're you're growing your portfolio and earning a return versus just paying it. You know, um, and that's what Warren Buffett says, right? Compounding interest is the eighth wonder of the world. And when you're taking that, uh, you know, that that $10,000 check you were going to write, uh, what what was the down payment on your first duplex? Well, we had a VA loan, so it was, it was actually zero. <laughs> but, yeah, there you uh, go. There you but go. Typically, twenty you know, printing twenty percent, twenty five percent down, whatever. Yeah. So you know that that twenty thousand dollar check you were going to write allows you to buy a hundred thousand dollar asset. Yeah. That's going to protect you from another twenty thousand dollar check that you're going to write. That's going to allow you to buy another one, and that's the compounding effect that allows you to build and make it scalable. Um, you know, you also mentioned that that real estate is is one of the uh, best asset classes to scale because of the ability to borrow. You know, um, I mean, when you're looking at the fact that the bank will partner with you for a fixed return and allow you to only bring 20% of the money to the deal and they will take a fixed return. I mean, that's an incredible partner, right? I mean, that's a lot of people don't think of that. But that's that's you, you can't get that partnership out of anybody else. Well, let's run the numbers then. Just to your point, I mean, if you have yeah twenty thousand dollars to invest and you put that in stocks or whatever the case is, and you have a five percent increase after year one, you would have earned one thousand dollars, right? Now you have twenty one thousand dollars. Using leverage is a huge benefit of real estate, where you invest that same twenty thousand dollars, you buy a hundred thousand dollar house. That house goes up five percent. That's five thousand dollars of realized equity, and that's a 25% return on your money. That's not even considering cash flow, debt reduction, tax benefits, and things like this. So le leverage is huge, especially in the high inflationary environment that we're in right now. Right. We want to be leveraged responsibly, but that means that the money that we're taking out of today's dollar value will be devalued over time. We're paying the bank back with less money, you know, that's money that's worth less over time, but our, our mortgage doesn't change. Rents will go up and things like this, but it's just using leverage strategically and responsibly uh, to really be able to scale your portfolio. And people don't often think about that that way. And maybe they don't understand inflation fully, but I mean, that's that's why interest rates right now, 
don't matter to me. We're still buying. Right. We bought more real estate. Just like I mentioned yep. in the beginning, we bought more real yep. estate this year than we have any prior year, even with current interest rates. Well, and that's where, you know, I, I was just pulling up the S&P 500 uh, average return from 1957 to 2021 was 11.8%, right? Um, if you're looking at, at that 11.8%, just to put a real number on your $20,000 deal, you're still only $2,200, right? And then in order to get that, you're going to pay taxes on that, right? So now Uncle Sam's going to come in and he's going to take 400 bucks of that. Uh, so now you really only have $1,800 to go back in for next year, right? So, but when you're doing that same thing with real estate, you've been able to scale that for sure. And, and I completely agree with you when, when people come to me and they go, oh my God, oh my God, look at what interest rates are doing. I've been doing this when interest rates were eight and nine, right? I've seen 9%. Um, and so where we're at is not uncharted territory. It can be dangerous if you ran your pro forma based on being able to refinance at 5%. Uh, and so you've got to have some of that seasonality that comes with experience, right? You've been doing this for 15 years. You've seen it, right? Uh, you probably were licking your chops, couldn't believe your good fortune when we saw 5% interest rates, right? And then the stupefying things that happened, we went down under three, right? But that doesn't mean that that's where it's going to stay. It was, it was something that you obviously took, took huge advantage of, as did I. Um, but when we're coming back to this, this area, what is it that makes you think that, that interest rate doesn't matter? I know, but what is it that you think that makes interest rate not matter? It's just a number in the equation, you know, and, and you just really need to look at, okay, does it still cash flow? It, and to your point, I mean, if you, if you look back at the historic interest rates, I mean, there was, there was a point in time, I think we were uh, interviewing, I think it was Richard Duncan, who was talking about uh, investing back in the 80s, where interest rates were like 18, 19%, mm -hmm. and it was still buying a bunch of real estate actively, you know, so it's, yeah. it's, and, and now I think this, by the way, this is a good thing, right? Like, the, it's not sustainable to have interest rates where they were that that was right. the norm that's become the norm in people's minds. But like, this is actually normalizing the market. This is a good thing. So um, yeah. it's, it's necessary. But yeah, I mean, interest rates are just a number on paper. You still run your numbers, but you you need to look at the global picture and have a strategy and plan of what is your your long term goal. Because yes, interest rates may cause the cash flow to be a little bit less than say if it was five or four percent, whatever the case sure. is. But you're still having an appreciating appreciating asset. You're still taking out leverage, having the tenant pay the loan down, like we do, having the tax benefits and depreciation. Um, you know, that is actually the more important aspect. We were fortunate enough to have an active business where we earn significant income, but our goal every single year is to buy enough real estate using leverage to offset all of our active income through accelerated depreciation. And then in the future, when we sell those, if, and when we will 1031 those and, and scale up. And that's, I mean, again, compounding effect over and over, right. but you need to have the, the plan. If you're just focusing on focusing on interest rate and just focusing on cash flow, there's so much more to real estate. Um, yeah. And you just need to understand that. Well, and, and, you know, the, the other things that happen, uh, you know, the, the, the causation of higher interest rates have to be higher rents, right? I mean, we didn't have enough supply three years ago. We didn't have enough supply six months ago. And now whether it was single family or, uh, you know, or, or rental properties, right? There just wasn't enough in the marketplace, which was causing price inflation. Now they're trying to stall that out, but really all they're doing is they're converting people that were buyers six months ago 
into tenants for a longer period of time. So now there's more for you and me, there's more people knocking our on our door, there's more scarcity. Scarcity creates price increase, right? We've seen that with gas. We're seeing that with all kinds of things right now. But the reality is at the end of the day, if you can get it to cash flow now, we're going to continue to see for quite some time, I, I think you can agree, uh, price increases, right, in rents. No one should compare this to 2008. There no. seems to be this um, idea sometimes that people look back at that as like a standard or typical or almost expected type of real estate scenario. In no way, shape or form are we close to what, what happened with that scenario. To your point, the biggest thing in, in the market is, is actually supply and demand to drive rental and, and home prices. And we are already in a position where we have an undersupply and over demand for housing. And that's that's not getting any better over time. Interest rates will affect people's ability to buy houses and it'll either take buyers that were trying to buy a, a higher price point and move them to a lower price point, or it will move people that were buyers into renters, as you mentioned. We are very intentional, Shannon, and in where we invest the type of locations and asset classes. And generally speaking, we invest in middle-class asset, your B-class housing, which are the most type of recession-proof asset class you can have because it's you're, you will always have housing demand and always have renters. And right now, and in this type of env environment, even, even more renters. And we're, seeing, we're still consistently seeing a strong increase in, in rents. I mean, that's also what happens in an inflationary environment. Um, you know, but the big picture is real estate to your point early on, it's a long-term type of investment interest rates right now and where things are at today. I mean, if you buy a property and it's in a good location and it has positive cash flow and you're using leverage and the tax benefits like you, like you should, you're doing the right thing. Yeah. Um, you should not be concerned. Your goal is not to flip the property. I mean, potentially whatever real estate avenue you're going down, but the people that might be in, uh, putting themselves in a risky position would be people that yes need to plan to exit within a short period of time or need to plan to, you know, refinance out at this rate of like, you know, getting into these variable rates, things like this, but long-term real estate buy and hold, don't be so short-sighted. Um, right. the, the fundamentals stay true. You know, it's funny too, because you, you mentioned uh, you buy in, in certain areas and, you know, we're, when we're recording this, we're coming up on an election and, and I don't want to talk politics, but how much weight do you put in the political environment uh, of the market you're looking at? Well, we most certainly invest in areas that have landlord-friendly legislation, um, mainly Midwest and Southeast. These are areas that, hey, we got to evict a tenant. We, we need to be able to do that right. in a timely manner, right? Uh, that's an important yep. aspect. Also invest in areas that are, have favorable tax structures. Um, right. You know, So yeah, politics does play into it um, in, in terms of where we want to invest. That's not the only thing. Of course, those are fundamental oh. criteria, but we want to invest in areas that have that are in the path of progress, that have population economic growth, that have a diversity of industries in these areas, not just relying on oil or gas or whatever the case is, right. areas that have high rental demand relative to home prices and strong rental appreciation. So those are the markets that we've been successful with in, in many years through any kind of economic cycle, and we'll continue yep. to, to invest in those areas. You know, it's funny too, because there was, you know, of the last five recessions, real estate's only been affected in two of them. You know, the 2001 recession and the 2008-9 recession, obviously, and everybody does go back to the 2008-9. And, and, and if they really took the time, like you said, to study it, they would see that there are so many differences in what's going on now. Uh, this, this reminds most people that have been in real estate, like the late 70s, early 80s recession, where we saw runaway inflation 
We also saw, you know, runaway interest rates and then, uh, you know, housing prices and rents followed all of that because there is that cash flow component that goes with this. Let's transition just a little bit. So you got hooked on the little blue or the little purple book. Uh, you started doing this. You started scaling out of that. You replaced your passive income or your, you, you used your passive income to replace your active income. Then you found yourself building a business that you've mentioned a couple of times. Tell me a little bit more about what it is you have built out of uh, your, your own personal need. Yeah, I mean, uh, rent to retirement is is our turnkey business. We are a turnkey provider uh, where we, you know, either rehab or build properties, lease and manage them in the best locations for investors to, you know, scale, diversify their portfolio, get started investing in real estate, and it's, it's an easy stepping stone where they don't have to do everything on their own. We've already done the heavy lifting, but I mean, that really the foundation of our business came from our own success as investors, essentially. As I mentioned earlier, we really what allowed us to scale to replace our active income to get to that milestone was diversifying in different markets where there's better opportunity. Um, and I think diversification is, is essential in general, but especially being a strategic investor to identify the best locations to invest in. So we started doing that. It took many years to build our teams and systems in these different areas, um, just personally investing. And then we had a lot of friends and family and colleagues that were looking at us saying, hey, we see what you're doing in real estate. We want to do the same thing, but we don't have the time. We don't have the know-how. We don't have the energy. Can you just like help us? Can you just invest? Can we just invest with you? And so we were, that kind of naturally um, parlayed into the turnkey business because it was just a matter of like, Hey, we're already doing this for ourselves. It's just scaling up a little bit to bring on other investors. There's a lot of deals we passed on just because we, we couldn't take them on or we didn't need to. Um, and so then we offered those to, to our investor clients and we saw the demand for that that that's, that's a huge need just globally for, for investors. And so that was a birthplace of, uh, of rent to retirement. So let's talk about turnkey. Uh, let's, let's drill down into this a little bit because we hear the term and, you know, I mean, what does that mean to me? I'm uh, who, let's start with this. Who's your typical uh, client? And turnkey is one of these buzzwords and it's, it's really ill-defined. So when, when we define turnkey, it's a property that's newly built or fully re renovated, leased and professionally managed with our team uh, in a location that we've identified to be a productive investment location based on the criteria we mentioned previously. The average avatar for our client is someone that either wants to get started in real estate, they don't really have experience, um, they want, need a little bit of hand-holding and, and use it as a stepping stone, it's, it's easy for them, or it's, they've never invested out of state. This is their first time investing out of state. And that, and that can be rather daunting. And so this is an easy way for them to walk into a system that's already established with a track record and build a successful portfolio. I would say that's the average client is just someone who wants to be a passive investor or someone who wants to get started, get started out of state, or the active investor that is already doing a lot of stuff in real estate and they want to scale and diversify their portfolio uh, quickly. And, and this is a great way to just add in properties without taking up a bunch more time. So really what you created was you created passive income for yourself, found yourself with more properties than you could possibly buy, decided that friends and family and everybody else that saw you as an ophthalmologist and thought maybe they should look into what you were doing, right? Had to throw in the dad joke there. <laughs> uh, but, but then you were able to create another stream of income because you're purchasing, renovating, and or commissioning the build. So there's fees involved there. You've got a management company that there's fees involved there. 
but it allows someone that's brand new to the business or brand new to real estate or just doesn't know the Dallas market or whatever market you're in, the Minot, North Dakota market, uh, to be able to step into that market and say, yes, I'd like three. Um, and they're able to look at it and say, I'm paying 200000 um, My rents are going to cover because they're already in place rents. I'm able to see that with the mortgage rates that I can get today, I'm going to have $120 in cash flow. It's all completely taken care of. It's managed. It's done. I just have to step up, create the ownership by taking out the loan personally. And then uh, obviously the contract comes with you as a company and, and I'm just going to receive dividend checks, make my mortgage payment. Uh, create my own K-1s and all the rest of that, as far as the, the active part of that is all handled by your team. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, uh, I would say when we talk about turnkey, it's at least with our business model, it's, it's much more beyond just selling a, a done for you kind of property in a good location. Uh, we, we spend a lot of time with our clients to help them map out an investment strategy and plan. And that's on an individual basis because everyone's in a different position. Everyone has different goals, timelines, resources. Um, you know, different retirement vehicles they want to invest through. So we spend a lot of time and we built a large network. And again, out of our personal investing of real estate specific CPAs, attorneys, people that will do 1031 exchanges and cost segregation studies, if they want to explore that, we really want to take a comprehensive approach to assist people in building out a long-term strategy and plan. Most of the stuff that we, most of the turnkey properties that we focus on are short, or I mean, long-term single family and multifamily. But we do a lot in the space. We have short-term opportunities. We do have syndication opportunities if someone wanted to invest in syndication. Um, you know, we have a lot of different things, creative financing options for, for people as well. So our goal is to add value to anyone that comes into our network and assist them in scaling their portfolio or getting started. You know, and one of the things that I that I hear and and I hear this consistently with people that are successful on the level that you are um, with real estate is that that strategic part, you know, it's one thing to sell somebody a property and, and, you know, wave goodbye and head on down the road. It's another to create that understanding of what is it that you want as an investor? How can I position our company to work with you to create the kind of opportunities that you're looking for that allows for your success? Because the reality is that's where a lot of the done for you, I think, misses the mark. Because yes, it's done for you, but it's dropped off at your front door. And then, you know, it's like getting something at, at Ikea. There's some assembly required and there's, there's not the follow-up. And, and a lot of people get disillusioned with real estate because they hear about all this stuff, but, you know, and then they go back to their accountant and their accountant maybe isn't real estate savvy, or they talk to their accountant in February and their accountant goes, well, yeah, we could have done that last year, if we'd have known, right? And so I, I see that there's, there's a, there seems to be a large education component with what you do that keeps people um, coming into that space and taking care of what their need is so that they're getting to their goal, which is creating a better customer for you because you're giving them what they asked for. You're giving them the strategies that work for them. You're giving them the result that they look for. They look at it and they go, my goodness, I'm, I'm working with Zach here and my, uh, this is actually happening and I'm getting the tax benefits and all these things are coming together. So there's, there's really a lot to that. What do you think is the secret sauce with your company 
that when you're when you're meeting with that investor, you're creating that strategy. What is that secret that you are imparting to them that that makes them uh, gives you that stickiness and that return customer uh, product? You hit the nail on the head, Shannon. It's it's the education aspect of it. It's staying involved with them because yeah, there's so many people out there in the real estate or turnkey space that do this. Just they're selling assets, right? And and they're not really helping the client build a plan and a strategy. I mean, selfishly, we want the client to come back and continue to do business with us, right? No one is in this game to buy one single family or duplex in the Midwest or Southeast. I mean, people are looking at real estate, I think, for from an objective standpoint of trying to replace their active income, build consistent residual um, income, potentially leave their job at some point, leave a legacy to their family. And that takes planning over time. Yeah. And so, And that takes a portfolio of multiple houses right. that is strategically built. So we spend ample time with each one of our clients. Um, to make sure they have the right strategy and plan in place. And those goals are dynamic, right? Things change yeah. over time. And so it's important to have something that you can bounce those ideas off of. Um, yeah, and we have a really stellar reputation that I'm very proud of because this is my baby, you know? Right. <laughs> I spent a lot of years right. building it. I encourage yeah. you to just Google us and look at reviews. We spend, and that's the number one theme is we spend time with yeah. people to help them build out that plan. Well, and I think that that's, you know, that's the thing, you know, you've created a team and, and, and just as important as your property manager is, your tax strategist is, right? I mean, and, and a lot of people don't understand the difference between an accountant and a tax strategist, right? They keep, I, I get this question a lot. You probably do too. Do you have a good accountant that can get this stuff done for me? Well, I think three quarters of that is providing the accountant with the strategy that you want to implement because accountants, don't get offended accountant people in the audience here, but accountants, 95% of them put things in boxes, right? They're very organized. They take what you did. They're forensic in the sense that, you know, you come to them in February and there's nothing they can do with the results. They just organize it and file for you. But if you've involved that strategic person and you've, in, and you've talked with someone like yourself that says, hey, You've got three different kinds of products. You've got this, you've got this, you've got this. Here's your strategy based on what I hear you saying. You're really delivering above average results because you're talking about a 20 to 30% delta on the purchase, right? When you're, when you're eliminating the tax man, like we talked about at the beginning of the conversation, you know? So when you're doing those kinds of things, you, you have to be creating raving fans, right? Um, what is it that you see happening in this next? Do you see your business accelerating through this tumultuous time in the market? Do you see it kind of plateauing? What do you see coming in the future with your turnkey business? And I just want to touch on your tax point because that was so huge. I hope no one missed that that point on the on the accounting side. We hear often from uh, clients that, oh, well, my CPA didn't guide me on this or didn't recommend this as if that was an expectation. Um, and that's right. not really fair to the CPA because to your point, they are just really, we, we refer to uh, um, CPAs as defensive, right? They're defensive in nature. Right. They are taking your information and going through it and, and the filing for you. But yes, the tax strategy, that's a different person. That's a different professional who's helping you plan for the future. And then you initiate that plan and bring it to your CPA. Um, and so that's, that's so essential. A lot of people are unfamiliar with, they assume that the CPA will give them all the tax advice that they need, but that's not really appropriate. Um, right. you know, but anyway, to your, to your question about uh, where we're headed, 
Um, I mean, we've, we've grown every single year just from, uh, you know, word of mouth, obviously the past few years are just crazy real estate market. I actually like to see a little bit more of an even playing field in, uh, in the real estate market. Now, I think we are just being extra conscious, uh, and meticulous right now on the strategy of specifically where we are investing. We really are focusing. I mean, half of what we do actually right now is build to rent new construction. Often yeah. those are opportunities where you can have, you know, significant immediate equity when the house is completed. But we're doing that by investing in the locations that we really are seeing population trends go through. Um, I mean, I'm happy to name a few markets if, if you'd like, but with these yeah, are areas. Yeah, that, tell me where you tell me where you like. <laughs> well, we're we're very bullish on Florida. Um yeah. you know, we build in Texas and and have a lot in Texas and, and the Alabama, um, different areas like Birmingham, Huntsville. Um, but but Florida, we're, we're very active throughout the entire state, you know, southwest and southeast Florida. Uh, mid like around Orlando and uh, Ocala area, we have a team in uh, Pensacola. Um, these are all areas like Southwest Florida where we just had a hurricane come through. Yeah. Um, and yeah. actually, that's everything was fared fine. We didn't have one single investor or any of our own that we had to make an insurance claim on. Fortunately, um, yeah, that's awesome. not the case for everybody. But those areas, like we saw a twenty-two percent increase in rents over this past year. And if there's anything right. the hurricane caused, it's it's either it's exacerbating the supply issue that already existed. Right. right. Um, but those are yeah, the type I mean, of markets. The, you've, got the, you've got the trifecta, right? You've got the natural disaster. You've got rising interest rates. You've got lack of supply. I mean, you couldn't squeeze that market anymore if you wanted to. It's being the path of progress. And I think those are the areas we want to, I mean, we're active in the Midwest um, as well. And like Ohio and Missouri and Indianapolis, those are areas where they're just good and bread, bread and butter rentals um, that always will be. They're not going to have crazy appreciation, probably. Um, but I mean, it's it's all about building a diversified portfolio across multiple markets. You know, the other thing too that I I, I love about what you what you're doing a, a lot of it sounds like is the build to rent product. You know, because you're getting brand new. I mean, there's only so many times you can put lipstick on that pig, and then you've got you know unexpected expenses like furnaces. Uh, you know, those aren't cheap. Uh, roofs that need to be replaced because they're they've reached the end of their useful life you know, you're paying more usually per foot uh, to buy new and you're getting more, you know, you're, it's one of those that are you buying the extended warranty on your car, right? Cause you know that you've got, you know, three to five years that you're going to have really no problems with that new product where three to five years in something that's a 19, I mean, this is a 1973 model, right? It needs an overhaul, right? So you're looking at those kinds of things, and 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 I see that being such a great market uh, and such a viable uh, product type because it's it's necessary. And I think that you know I've had a lot of experience with people that come to me after they've designed a project with an architect. They've got a million dollar budget. They got a two million dollar set of plans, and when they realize that they can't have what they want, they don't do anything, right? And I see this exacerbation of that product type where people were poised. There was a lot of people that they'd worked hard, they'd cleaned up their credit. They were going to be buyers right now. And they're not, but they haven't given up on the three bed, two bath, two car garage dream that you're now providing. And that's where I see a huge component of build to rent is satisfying, you know, because you're still able to get that. When you do build to rent like that, are you going in and purchasing full subdivisions? Are you purchasing large uh, numbers in the same area. How do you scale that? In the locations that we are focusing on, they're generally like pre-parceled individually owned lots. So it's a lot of like infill. We have mm -hmm. 
you know, microeconomic analysis on like specific locations within a market that we want to focus on, but it's not a community type of development. We ha may have some contiguous houses and a few on a street or something like this, but but it's generally identifying a location where there's just generally high demand and the lot is kind of a little bit developed already. That way mm -hmm. we can start construction sooner. A lot of infill. Yeah. I know that there's a lot of people that are going in uh, on a larger scale, like the syndication model, going in and buying, you know, 150 house subdivision. Uh, it's very similar to doing an apartment complex, except that each is on its own titled lot. Uh, you can you can have that individuality when it came time to sell. You could parcel off what you wanted or whatever. Um, and, and that's really kind of where you always see the struggle to scale uh, on the expenses side because, you know, you've got different kinds of toilets over here, different kind of faucets over here. So when you're trying to do warranty work, you're driving all over town. How do you guys cover that in what you're doing to stay tight, stay sharp on the numbers? Because I know you've already figured this out. I just want to know. Yeah. And, and when we talk about kind of infill lots, I mean, we're not, this is all probably within a 30 minute radius, um, fair, fairly close. And so, I mean, just having a full-time maintenance team is, is not. So you're uh, laser focused. I mean, when you go into a market, you're laser focused. I mean, 30 minutes in some towns is only two miles. <laughs> depending on yeah, traffic. My, no traffic. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Um, but yeah, generally speaking, it's yeah ten to ten to fifteen miles. Uh, these yeah. are these are areas, small geographic locations that still have a good amount of inventory of, of land available to be developed, and I, I think that allows for economies of scale uh, yeah. to be able to go in and effectively and efficiently do maintenance and monitor things like this. And I and like you said, new construction fairly minimal on uh, the attention to detail with with yeah. uh, con consistent maintenance stuff that you need to. I think yeah. new construction when people really think about turnkey and they want to be a true passive investor and not have to because you still need to actively you're still owning real estate right like you yeah. still will hear about tenant issues even though you have property management set up like sure. you still got to manage your manager. Um, right. And so I think new construction is probably the best way to go for someone that really wants to be passive. Because you don't, you have builder warranties. You don't need, um, you know, any maintenance calls. You get longer term tenants typically, better appreciation, right. better appreciation rents. Uh, we're huge fans of of uh, new construction built to rent. Yeah, and you know that's been my business for you know twenty eight years is building new, and and you know we're building. Uh, we've got I think three, four uh, large scale multifamily that we're building out for those exact same reasons, right? I mean, you've got a water heater that you know just went in and you've got at least a two-year warranty with the subcontractor before your maintenance people have to kick in and take care of it. So there's a lot of opportunity there to really trim your expenses, which really boost your NOI. I mean, especially in a market where you're giving up maybe a little bit more to interest rate, such a key point. And, you know, it's back to you get what you pay for. You know, you might be able to buy the 20-year-old the, the house down the street for $110,000 versus $210,000 but your rents are re reflecting that, your tenancies reflecting that, uh, all of that comes through and your bottom line, I think you could probably uh, make the point really strongly that your bottom line is stronger um, on the build to rent, even though the product costs initially more. When people are looking at pro formas, uh, just remember that's a projected anticipated return year one. People um, are finding that out in the market today. For sure. <laughs> people, people are figuring that out. So you may see a, you know, a Midwestern property and we sell these too, um, you know, and, and just uh, quite frankly, the numbers do look better on paper, but I always want to consciously remind people that to your exact point, 
on a long term, that property may outperform from a rental perspective in the first couple of years. But when you factor in maintenance over time, capital expenditures, you're on the long term basis and appreciation and less turnover and things like that, the, the new construction and just generally in investing in a better quality neighborhood and things like this will outperform long term, even if the numbers don't look as attractive and it's more expensive um, out of the gate. So it's okay to buy a lower ROI, lower cash flowing property with the idea of holding it long term. And I think you'll probably be more successful and poised to be successful long term doing that. Yeah, I totally agree. And then that that keeps you in that, you know, solid B, maybe A minus category, because, you know, especially when you hit inflationary markets like we're in now, right? I mean, we've had probably arguably one of the most dramatic turns in in history from, you know, uh, $2 gas just 15 months ago to where we're at now. I mean, that is huge when you're talking about the tenancy and who's in a in a C minus property right? That's a huge portion of their income. It's still a large chunk for a B tenant. It's inconvenient for an A tenant, right? But you're starting to see the A tenants look, maybe I can save a few bucks and move to a B class property. The C tenants, they're, we're starting to see delinquency rates rise in those kind of assets. I mean, nationwide, you're seeing that trend. But with the Bs, you're kind of in that solid sweet spot of, I don't like it, but we're going to be fine. You know, it's not going to change our life. The fact that we're $400 a month more for groceries, right? So it's a balancing act. And I think you're right. That's, I mean, that's, that's the area we focus on because it is a sweet spot where you get a decent tenant quality. Um, You can still be in a a good neighborhood class. You still get appreciation and, uh, you know, you, you, you have less turnover. So I think that's, that's definitely the area we, we focus on. Zach, what is the number one Thing that people come to you that seems to be the number one stumbling block as to why someone hasn't started investing in real estate, that is probably your most common objection, if you will, that you've got to solve to get them started. They're, they're poised, they're ready, they understand, they're just stuck. What is it? What, what's the number one thing there? The biggest thing that I see just generally is, is fear. Uh, not, not, you know, the fear of the unknown, um, fear of what could happen, fear of like, and we go through this, like whatever the case is, right? Recession, interest rates, definitely we get, we get a lot of feedback about interest rates. And we have to have the same discussion that you and I had about long-term investing um, right. and really actually going through. And, and fear comes from, I think, in my opinion, of not understanding um, and not having a, a plan or multiple plans in place. Like if you run the numbers, a practice we go through is just actually run the numbers, right? Like look at People hate the idea and hearing about a, a higher interest rate than where we were at a year ago, but it's like, okay, well, let's put numbers to paper and actually look at how that performs. Does that mean you need to put a little bit more money down on the property to make it meet your cash flow numbers? Possibly. Okay, so be it. Maybe it doesn't. Let's look at the global picture of where you're going to be in one, five, 10, 20 years with conservative appreciation, debt reduction, leverage, tax benefits, depreciation. And when people actually go through the practice of understanding the numbers, then it becomes less of a fear factor. Um, And we get it. I mean, everyone goes through analysis paralysis, investing out of state. It can be daunting. Like, where do you start? The shiny object syndrome. You've got so many things you can do in real estate, so many different markets to invest in. But at the end of the day, you just got to buckle down and have a plan and execute it, right? The first, first couple of properties you buy or the first couple out of state, really, in my opinion, are less important financially, but mentally and emotionally, they're huge. It's dramatic because it gets yeah. you in the mindset and allows you, if you don't get into those first couple to build your own confidence, 
um, you're never going to be able to scale and build a large portfolio long term. So that that's the biggest objection, I would say. You know, you mentioned emotional and and, and I, I have to completely agree with you there because the first purchase that most people make in real estate is for themselves. And it's about is the kitchen right? And is the school district the perfect one for little Johnny? And, and you know, is the backyard big enough for the swing set? And all those things that are emotionally driven, that price is not really the primary concern when purchasing that. Now you're shifting that and most people associate, at least at the beginning, and, and my wife hates this, by the way. She absolutely hates this because I look at our own personal residence in, in the same light. Is my personal residence of that benefit to me? You know, uh, and and we we constantly battle that. But, but there's that emotion attached to it. And most people's experience with real estate before they start working with someone like you or start working with, you know, their own things is that fear because is it going to, are our, our, our tenants going to love it? You know, are they, is it going to be the right school? Is the, is the paint the right color? You know, do they like the carpet? When in reality, tenants don't kind of have, they don't have that emotional attachment, but we as owners do, you know? Uh, so you bring up some really good points. Zach, what would you say to people that are on the fence listening to this right now? What is it that you're saying to them right now for a call to action? First of all, if you've been sitting on the fence for quite some time, I mean, we, we hear a lot of people that are trying to time the market, right? And there's always an excuse. COVID. I mean, whatever the case is, I mean, there's always something, there's always something in the media and the news. So turn that off, focus on your own individual investment plan and your goals and stay, stay laser focused to that and, and just take action. If it means buying a property, just, just buy that first one. Uh, don't overcomplicate it and overthink it. Real estate, it's a long-term investment. It's a lifelong journey. We always tell people, I mean, this is something that we'll be doing the rest of our lives, teaching our children to do and uh, hopefully have generations like you, Shannon, that are, right. you know, in the game for a long time and passing on that, that knowledge. But it's really yeah. the knowledge is power and you, you earn that knowledge through firsthand experience. So if you've been sitting on the fence, if you're concerned or you have you know, questions or objections, talk to the right people, right? It's all about yeah. network with and get answers to that. But ultimately set yourself a goal and then just do it. If it's one house a year, then so be it. Get that done. I mean, that's really, I mean, we've all been there, right? We've all right. had those those. Um, fears and objections that, that hold us back, but you need to be able to ever overcome those. And you got to take action. It's not about timing the market. It's about time right. in market and real estate is a long-term game. Yeah, completely agree. You know, I, 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 we've all seen the people that tried to time the market and they usually wind up being the last one in and the first one out at exactly the wrong times. Right. Uh, so you, your, your point is exactly right there. We've, uh, we've interviewed a lot of people to that are very successful investors in, in real estate and businesses in general. And Shannon, I've never met a single person that says, oh, I just got lucky in time in the market. Great. You know, but what every single person does, and we know that there's more millionaires made in real estate than any other asset class, yep. uh, and especially today. But what everyone does say that's successful is that I consistently invested in real estate throughout all market cycles. Yeah, no, and 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 that is entirely true. You know, anybody that that got involved in the in the peak of the market in 07 that still has the asset is doing okay today. You know what I mean? And that's just because they went through the heart of the fire, they held on, they were consistent, they continued to show up and do what's necessary. Zach, I really appreciate the knowledge you've been dropping today. It has been uh eye-opening for me to hear 
that you know not only did you get involved in real estate, then you created your own portfolio. Now you're you're doing what I love to do, and that's educate others so that they can create that financial freedom themselves. And you're doing it to the level that you are that makes it makes it brainless. I mean, you don't even have to make you just have to show up, talk to Zach, get your plan put together. So, guys, if you really enjoyed it as much as I did, uh, shoot me an email. Connect at shannonrobnet. Com. I will get you connected with Zach and you can find out where you can find this guy, get plugged into his system and learn more about what he's doing because guys, he's making it so easy that it, that it, I mean, it, it, even a caveman can do it right to, to steal from Geico there, but you know, really appreciate you showing up Zach and uh, uh, educating our listeners guys. Don't forget to like share and subscribe to the real estate rundown, wherever you get your podcast, leave a review. I'd love to hear your feedback. And once again, Zach, thank you for your service and thank you for showing up today. Thanks so much, Shannon. It's been a pleasure. That's a wrap for today's episode of The Real Estate Rundown. Let these newfound strategies pave the way to start a successful career or a profound rebranding. If you loved everything you have heard, listen to more conversations at www.shannonrobnet.com and be sure to leave a rating, share it with your friends and subscribe. Until the next episode. Amen.